Talking Seinfeld is brought to you by the Four Finger Discount Network. You know, I, I, I hate to brag, but uh, <laughs> I did win 11 straight gold gloves. I wouldn't have brought it up, but since you mentioned it. Uh, I didn't mention it. <laughs> well, I won them anyway. Well, so what? I mean, you played first base. I mean, they always put the worst player at first base. That's where they put me, and I stunk. Elaine, hmm. you don't know the first thing about first base. Oh, well, I know something about getting to first base. And I know you'll never be there. The way I figure it, I've already been there. And I plan on rounding second tonight at around 11 o'clock. Uh, well, uh, I'd watch the third base coach if I were you, because I don't think he's waving you in. <laughs> Welcome to Talking Seinfeld, the podcast where we discuss everything we know about the show about nothing. This week we are here to review one of the most iconic episodes of Seinfeld of all time. Definitely one of the greatest, definitely one of my favourites. It's a two-parter and we're going to be doing both parts here today. It is the Boyfriend Parts 1 and 2. I am Dando. And I am Guy and yes, we are doubling up today. And not only a favourite of Dando's, a favourite of mine, a favourite of one Jerry Seinfeld's. Yes, yeah, and uh, Keith Hernandez, one of Jerry Seinfeld's most favourite baseball players of all time, he said he was incredibly nervous going into this, and I love how his real-life reaction to meeting Keith Hernandez, he said he looked in the closet and he was like, what am I going to wear? I'm meeting Keith Hernandez today. <laughs> that's basically the story. I just, I thought that was just so funny, because that's what it's like. We we often say, ah, oh, you know, they're just people, but then when you come, the potential to come face-to-face with one of your heroes, it's like... What do I say? What do I wear? What do I do? It's, it's so nerve-wracking. <laughs> but I, I just saw Jerry just absolutely hit it out of the ballpark, pun intended, with um, with this uh, performance here with Keith and Anders. I thought it was so great. You're absolutely right. And look, focusing on the clothing was a, a very smart move on <laughs> on Jerry's part. I mean, because uh, you're 100% correct in that, uh, you know, you are thinking about what you're going to say and how you're going to present yourself, but really how you dress is such a big deal. Whether it's an actual first romantic date or a mate date like like he's got with Keith here. By the way, big shout out to Keith Hernandez. A a very likeable, natural screen presence. Um, I thought he did a really, really good job playing Keith Hernandez. But, you know, I mean, playing yourself... Not necessarily all that easy. I think you've seen people who have like, hey, it's so-and-so playing themselves. And I know they're kind of stiff and uh, a bit awkward. And uh, Keith just, I won't say he fit right in. I mean, he, it's, it's clear that he the acting is <laughs> not his first uh, uh, first skill. But I don't know, he, he, he just, he blended in very, very nicely, I thought. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't stand out like a guest star. He standed out like a famous person who's now on Seinfeld. Yeah. It, it, it wasn't because sometimes, you get, as you said, you get your guest stars on and it's like, oh, yeah, you can tell that they stand out because A, who they are, but B, when you put them next to uh, you know really good actors, it's like, oh, he's not as good. And they stand out performance-wise. 
like you said, Keith just felt like he just seems like a yeah, nice guy. <laughs> yeah. Just just yeah, of course Elaine likes him, of course Jerry likes him. He just seems like a lovable guy. And you watch the um the documentaries and stuff, Keith Hernandez just seems like a great person. He just seems like a lovely guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm thinking of the the Simpsons episode that has all the guest stars who are sporting stars. Uh the the baseball one, the softball one. No, no, no. Um, it had the the um. Oh, well, LeBron the, James with, with Homer. Yes, well, from this. Uh, yeah, Homer and Ned's Hail Mary pass, whatever it was from season That's sixteen. Right. Yes, yeah. yeah. And look, none of them embarrassed themselves either, but they weren't asked to do a great deal. Uh, but you could tell. So, is this the way I'm supposed to say this line? Okay, fine. <laughs> also, uh, too, they probably weren't recording it with the cast either. So you know, when you're on set, feeding off the energy, it also helps. Maybe it's a little easier. Maybe it's a little more difficult. Who, who can tell? But all we know is that, uh, as you said, yes, I'm going to borrow that pun as well. Keith knocked it out of the park. Good job on his part. But, you know, I think pretty much everyone was firing on all cylinders over this two-parter. It was a, it was a really fun episode. You can tell they realised, okay, because I, I didn't know who Keith Hernandez was growing up. I, I still, if you said to me, who's Keith Hernandez? I say, he's the guy from Seinfeld. And that's what Keith has yeah. said. He goes, <laughs> so many people from the uh, a generation who are a bit younger too, who don't remember him being a baseball player. It's like, oh, it's the guy that kissed Elaine. It's the guy that Jerry was jealous over. He's the guy from Seinfeld. So mm. to my generation, he's kind of like, who, who aren't in America, he is the guy from Seinfeld. But apparently he was one of the biggest baseball players of all time like one of the greatest players of all time now they always talk about that game six in the episode yeah. so he's like it's kind of like gary ablett here for geelong fans like you know we just we idolize the guy here in, a, in the afl in australia but like they realize the cast getting this guy on is a big deal everyone's going to be talking about it it's a one hour episode we're airing mm-hmm. part one and part two together because there was too much to fit into half an hour <laughs> but you couldn't cut it down to half an hour you know you, you do they, uh, larry davis said sometimes you get episodes where it's like it's a bit too long, so we just cut a bit and we fit it into half an hour. This one, it was like, it's too long, but you know we're going to add a little bit more and push it that's to that hour because we can't cut any of this stuff. And um, that's where they slotted in the Elaine story and the uh, the JFK thing and things like that, which we'll get to in a moment, which I think is just incredible. But the uh, but yeah, you can tell that the cast realised this is a big deal. We need to hit this. Like, we can't get some hit out of the ballpark. We need to make the most of this situation. <laughs> we're going to have a lot of eyeballs on us for this episode. Let's make sure we absolutely nail it. And like I said, they all did. They all had, but they all had really good stories, though. That's the thing. Mm. Yeah, we we can't use hitting it out of the park again. Okay, moratorium. That's done. Finished. Yeah, no more. No more. No more. <laughs> But uh, you're right in terms of, yeah, they expanded the Hernandez storyline about as much as they could. You know, they didn't overstuff it. It feels just right as it is. And you're right. I mean, it wouldn't it wouldn't fit in a traditional single episode. So they do have to expand it. What they've surrounded it with, though, is not filler. It's all killer. I mean, yeah. all, the, all the stuff about uh, George... <laughs> Working so hard to hold on to the doll, hold on to his unemployment insurance, <laughs> or the baby stuff, or what have you. Yeah, it's it's all great. I thought the baby stuff was the weakest point of the episode. It's not substantial. There's nothing to it, but it's just very, very funny because something I've written here, and look, it's, it's in one of my favourite parts, but I'm just going to cut to it anyway, I mean, because I've got other favourite parts that we can talk about. Seinfeld's yeah. a very smart show. <laughs> you know, it's put together by smart people, and yes. it's, you know, it's quote-unquote intelligent comedy. Um, but one of the smartest things about it is that it realises nothing is funnier than a funny walk or a funny voice, you know? I mean, you could sort of, you know, 
Oh, gosh, yes, that was very intelligent comedy. You know, how droll. It was whimsical Fra- date of the style. season. Yeah, yeah. 99, you, you'll do that one time out of 100. The other 99 times you're going to go, you've got to see the baby. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll just start laughing at that because there's nothing funnier than someone who has a funny voice. And, you know, in this episode, it's not just uh, not just the, the parents or the mother of the child, but, uh, you know, also... also um, Carrie, who, who George, you know, ends up sort of forcing himself to go out on a date with and then gets dumped. Has a, she has kind of a, yeah, that's great, George. Yeah. <laughs> a loser it, like you, George. Yeah. Yeah, it's fantastic. So, yeah, it's something that I really, uh, really enjoyed about the episode. How they, I'm, I'm loath to say padded it out him because it, it doesn't feel like padded at all. It just feels like, no, this is a just a well stuffed episode yeah know, well packed and I, and I really like how the stand-up tended to play into the story as well so we start off the mm. stand-up about trying to um was it was it was, what was the first thing it was it making friends i know the health club getting fit yeah, yeah working out you, you, you're getting fit in order to be able to be fit basically i like that mm. play but i love the stand-up about trying to make friends like making a friend when you're a guy it's impossible you know when you're when you're oh, an yeah. adult you just can't do it it's like you just it's like you seem like a lovable guy but you know what it just it's just not gonna work out when you're <laughs> we're a kid not take, we're not taking any new applicants right now. yeah but it's <laughs> like when you're a kid though kid at the front oh you're at the front of my house we're friends now <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> what it was like but yeah the whole jerry becoming friends with a hero of his i just thought that the whole bounce him being nervous what's he gonna wear and then mm. becoming jealous of elaine because she you, you don't even know who he is like like that's exactly <laughs> how people would respond like if if I was friends with a girl and she started dating this guy, and he want, it's the fact that he he cancelled on Jerry to be with Elaine. That's yeah. what started all. But Jerry's jealousy, like as we said, Jerry Seinfeld, this he's really found his rhythm now with his role on the show, and so yes. have the writers. They, they know how to write for Jerry now. But the way he fed off of Keith Hernandez and Elaine, just everyone in this episode, I thought was so good. And I love. I heard the story that at the end, because we got the George moment where he falls over flat in his face, pants around his ankles, and he walks in and he says, "And you want to be my latex salesman?" That was improvised. Oh, perfect. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's the first time where it really felt like you were watching, like a legendary television show. Well, we've had great episodes before now, but this one felt like, okay, you're watching something that's going to be talked about for decades. All the pieces are falling into place, absolutely. And they, yeah. had, they had before, certainly, but, yeah, th- it's hard to think of a false note in this yeah, episode exactly. or, or hitting, them hitting a bum note anywhere along the line. I don't think they do. And Julia said that she didn't even really know who Keith Hernandez was. She knew it was a great bait. Like, she knew of him, but she <laughs> said all the guys, like, it's like, she goes, well, I'm filming this scene with him and I'm playing off like I'm flirting with him, blah, 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 which was fantastic. That flirting scene is in one of my favourite moments. I thought mm. it was so great. But she says all the guys on the set are just like watching off set, off camera going, oh my God, it's Keith Hernandez. Like, they, they couldn't believe that Keith Hernandez was here on this show. And Jerry <laughs> has said by this point here that he'd met a lot of celebrities. You know, it was, it was, a, it was a really popular show at this time. He'd met a lot of celebrities and you realise, yeah, it's not that important, not that exciting anymore. And then... Keith Hernandez comes around and he's like, I was just, I just didn't know what to do. And Keith has said that Jerry was just speechless for like the first two or three days around him. He just, he just, the guy just didn't know what to do. I just think that's so cute. <laughs> it's kind of adorable that, uh, you know, someone, you know, because Seinfeld, I think, was, has to be has to have been relatively well-known as a stand-up, but even before he gets his show, the show lifts him to another level. So, you know, here's a guy who's clearly not short of confidence. <laughs> yeah, for him to, yeah, be... Turned into a little bit of a fanboy uh, by you know, someone who's one of the best, uh, one of the best at what they do. Yeah, it, it's it's sweet and kind of funny as well. 
You know what I also liked, I thought was quite clever, is the way they had a big star like Keith Hernandez endorse Jerry Seinfeld and the show at the beginning. So mm. when he comes in and says, oh, I'm a big fan of your comedy, uh, not very yeah. often you get, like, that plays into the story, but they wrote it in such a way that A, it plays into the story, but B, it's also this big, huge star coming onto your show and endorsing the show to the viewers who might not have watched the show beforehand. They might only be watching for the first time because they're baseball fans. But then when the biggest baseball player of, of, of that time, or one of, is saying, hey, I'm a fan of this guy, you should be too, it's got to be <laughs> a, a massive plus, right? Giving the seal of approval. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's like, oh. Okay, if, uh, Keith Hernandez says okay, it's okay by me. Yeah, yeah, and then we haven't even discussed the uh, the JFK thing yet. It's definitely one of my favourite moments in all of Seinfeld, and they discuss this in the inside look, and I had it in my notes as well. You know a show has hit the mark and is, is absolutely just hitting, firing on all cylinders when you can take such a national tragedy and turn it into comedy. With the assassination of JFK, that's a thing that's, you know, even to this day, it's felt in America. People don't like to laugh. People, oh, people yeah. will never laugh at, at it. But they managed to get a parody of the assassination of JFK and make it one of the most iconic moments in the history of this comedy series. I think it's just absolute genius the way they handled it. Well, the Oliver Stone movie, JFK, had been out. When, yeah. when did this episode air? This is uh, Well, that's, that's the reason that they made this there because uh, oh, yeah. Wayne Knight was in the film playing of the course, same role. yeah. Yeah, but uh, the J- yeah Stone's film JFK really sort of brought it back into the public consciousness in a, in, in a big way, and not just you know the whole uh, legend of JFK and the, the Kennedys and Camelot and all that kind of stuff, but the whole investigation, the commission, and then the the, the uh, court hearing and the back and to the left, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it was yeah. very much on people's lips in the uh, in the early nineties, and uh, yeah, I mean back and to the left became. Not a catchphrase, but certainly a recognisable phrase for a while. I mean, and you could use it as a bit of a punchline. So you're right in terms of it's pretty funny how they repurposed JFK for for comedy. Yeah, but it's also you know they're they're riding that zeitgeist wave of everybody had JFK fever. Yeah, because that came out in '91, and this would have aired in I want to say late '92. This aired oh early '92, so February 12th, 1992. Yeah, so Tom Leopold. Uh, one of the staff of, the, of, of Seinfeld saw that Wayne Knight was in uh, the, the film playing yeah. a character called Numa, and it was just like Wayne Knight's just like, what are the odds that I'm playing somebody called Numa, mm. and then I'm playing Newman on Seinfeld? So they brought him back for that. But just the acting, I, I loved the <laughs> nice game, pretty boy. boy. <laughs> just yeah, just that slow motion look of Knight. It's like, oh, you look like the kind of guy who'd sledge <laughs> yeah, a sportsman. Exactly. Yeah. After a after a game, you know, if you, if your team went down or whatever, or if the, the you know the result didn't go your way, you'd just you'd be that kind of person, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And then the, the the way that so when when Kramer gets hit, and I said I'm hit, and it shows him like screaming I'm hit. I oh, fuck that hit kills me every time. That but I'm even hit. the use of that, that that Super Eight footage, like it's the Zapruder film from the JFK yeah. assassination, just a really nice touch. I mean. I won't say that you know, Seinfeld so far has been that visually imaginative a show. There's only so much you could do with a uh, with a half hour sitcom in the early '90s. But um, yeah, for them to, to throw that kind of thing, in, it's like it's a nice touch. Yeah, mate. It, it, it felt like this episode was really put together with affection and care. Yeah, you know, and uh, that's not to disparage any of the episodes that have gone before. But it's like I think we've really got something good here. Let's you know. Really, <laughs> let's make it a team effort, guys. 
Because if you do that flashback and it's just the standard usual visual of the of the sitcom, like in H not or be HD now, but just the usual yeah. you know, clear vision, it wouldn't be as memorable. Because it is that no. flashback. When you even just see a screenshot of it, you're like, Oh yeah, it's the it's the boyfriend, it's the it's the the spinning mm. episode. But like, like just the nice game, pretty boy, and then the I'm hit <laughs> Like it's just it's yeah. it slays me. Now let me ask you something. Yeah. I don't think we've ever does Seinfeld usually have the title of the episode? No, this at is the, the start? only one that ever does it. So it, it right. feels like an event. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. When I saw that, I'm like, that's nice, different, unusual. So, but yeah, it's uh, again. I think that indicates, yeah, we're, we're proud of this one, guys. Yeah, and I, I honestly do think this would have to be top ten episodes of all time. It's it's just mm. so. It's just it, it, the great thing about it is. You know, you're referencing JFK and things like that. And A, I know the the JFK assassination is something that's just generational. But they were referencing the film in, in particular, the, the 1991 yeah. film. It, even though that's a 1991 film, that whole scene still feels relevant and funny today. It's oh, yeah. not like it's not like, it doesn't feel dated by any means. It's just oh absolutely love it. It's yeah, it's not like a vanilla ice cameo or something. You know, no. I mean uh or something, some other sort of early 90s kind of signifier or whatever. No, no, it feels natural yes. <laughs> and, and relevant and, yeah, and, and right. And, yeah, it still yeah, plays well to this day. If you're a fan of everything we do here at Talking Seinfeld, you can support the show on Patreon where not only will you get early ad-free access to the show, but you also get access to hours of bonus podcasts, access to our exclusive Facebook community, and so much more. So join the family today at patreon.com slash discount. Link is in the description of this podcast. That is a good one still. Yeah. <laughs> one of my favorites. What were your favorite moments from The Boyfriend? Uh, well, I think we've already really mentioned a couple. I mean, I, I sort of talked about how, um, <clears throat> yeah, there's really nothing funnier than a funny voice. <laughs> I think that's I think that's very very true. Um, we also talked about George running out of the toilet with his pants around his ankles and just falling flat. And uh, that and feels just like a great- classic sitcom moment, doesn't it? It really does, yeah, yeah. I mean, almost a little lowbrow in a way that you maybe wouldn't expect from Seinfeld, but it also fits as well. I mean, just just by virtue of Jason Alexander being. Very, very funny, uh, and but also just kind of uninhibited. You know, he'll he'll do. It's not the kind of needy humor. It's like I'll do anything for a joke. But it's like if you are if you ask uh, Jason Alexander to do something as George, I don't think there's many things he wouldn't do. I think he could. You know, <laughs> um, I think he's willing to humiliate himself for the sake of comedy. Yeah, for the sake of comedy. For yeah, for the sake of a good gag. Yeah. Why I think that moment works so well too as a viewer and as an audience member is that just prior, they had Jerry answer the phone as mm. Vandalay Industries, right? So it's like everything's going to plan. You know, it's going to happen. It's going to work mm. out for George. George as a character is relaxed enough to go to the toilet. So as a viewer, you're like, yeah, yeah, it's going to work out for George. You don't see it coming. So Kramer just sort of sits down and the phone rings and all of a sudden you go, uh-oh. And like, as a viewer, you go, uh-oh. And, as a, and George is the same reaction that the viewer is giving. You're like, oh, like, and that's what makes it so funny is because it sort of catches you off guard because you're relaxed because you've just seen Jerry making it seem that everything's going to plan, but then it doesn't. It's part of the genius of Seinfeld, really, because you would think, oh, it's well, it's not going to go well for George. It never goes well for George. Of course, this is going to fuck up somewhere along the line. <laughs> somewhere, yeah. Um, and it does, and but and you're still kind of shocked or or surprised by it and amused by it when it happens. Like, oh, I mean, of course you saw it coming, but you didn't see it coming. 
yeah, yeah, it catches you off guard. That's why it works so well. And then Jerry walked yeah. in with the improv and you want to be my mm. latex salesman. It's just like the absolute best kicker. But yeah, is there yeah. anything else that you liked? I had one that I, well, actually two that I really liked, and they're both uh, courtesy of my girl, Julie Louis-Dreyfus. Um, mm. There's one bit where uh, they're at the bar, uh, Lane and, and Keith Hernandez, and surrounded by clearly all these sports stars or, or people or fans or whatever. Just fans, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but uh, Keith's clearly telling one of his stories about, you know, oh, it's one out. It was, it was game and, yeah. six. Wasn't he talking about game six? He was talking about game six, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, uh, and Julia Louis-Dreyfus does this sort of, ooh. And I just, I loved it because it, I thought it was hilarious, but also it just reminded me of something the lovely Louise would do <laughs> if I'm sort of telling a story. she go, ooh. So, yeah, I really love that. But like, then, find, find someone who looks at you like Elaine looks at Keith Hernandez. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Uh, but there's just another bit. Uh, after, the, after they've had the date yeah. and um, Jerry's sort of grilling Elaine about, well, you know, did you, did you kiss, all this kind of stuff. I think it was like, they were talking about, oh, did you have milk or something? And then Elaine says something like, cookies? <laughs> so, yeah, that were, that, were, uh, that were some of my favourite bits. But, you know, it's hard to pick favourites out of this episode, uh, out of these, uh, this big-ass episode. There's so much to, to choose from. Um, I, well, I really loved the, um, the, the, the flirting scene, as I mentioned earlier, just the way that she plays along with it. Julia has a way of making you buy into, like, you forget you're watching a performance here. Like, she just, you watch it and you're like, I'm watching Julia Lou Dreyfus flirt with this man. Like, it, it, like there's like, she's so good that you don't think she's acting. <laughs> like, it's just, yeah. it's, she's so great. Just the look, the, her mannerisms and just her delivery. Like, it's just, she's just so sexy. <laughs> like, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> And then we got the, as we discussed, the magic loogie story. And then Jerry being annoyed that he hasn't called. It's like, it's been three days. Mm. <laughs> uh, and Jerry being, they played Jerry up like he was a another female friend of Elaine. Just the way, quote unquote, women would react when a guy doesn't call them back. Oh, God, I, was, this just, I love this episode. It's so great. Well, just that recurring line. Jerry, he's a guy. <laughs> <laughs> Could you spell that, please? No. Next question. All right, Mr. Davis, it is time for some trivia here for The Boyfriend. But before that, we're going to read out some names of our beloved patrons here on the Four Finger Discount Network, starting with our $50 patron of the month, Mr. Andrew Zerr, as well as our $20 patrons, Pete Anderson, Steamed Ham Champion, Dylan Haggett, Jordan Molman, Richie, congratulations on the wedding, my good sir, Christopher Darby, Plain Old Matt, Andrew Davis, Ryan Dunlap, Jared Howard, Kevin Dental Plan Flood, Jonathan Rossi, Zach Pruitt, Timothy Burleson, Joel Yoland, Katie G, Daniel Kotnick, Shannon Hofer, Reese Roberts, George McMenemy, Stephen Roberts, Sean Devey, Bella Winderbank, Tom Pickering, Mark Boston Burgess, Groundskeeper Noah, Declan Phoenix, Jack McFadden, Heath Appleby, Preston Murray, Adric McLeod, and Hank Scorpio. Thank you so much, everybody, for your ongoing support. Also, shout-outs to the newest members of the Four Figure Discount family, Michael Doig, Chris Leonard, Patrick Lauer, and Jordan Macy-Smith. You guys are legends. And a huge, huge shout-out to our man, Elliot J. O'Neill from the Simpsons Index podcast. Uh, he is our $100 patron of the month. He's continued to support us here at Four Figure Discount. So support him by going to the Simpsons Index podcast and hitting that subscribe button. Guy and myself were on the show a few weeks back, so check out that one as well. But hit subscribe to the Simpsons Index podcast. I'm sure you're going to love it. We love all you patrons as much as Jerry loves Keith Hernandez. Let's put it this way. We would move furniture for you. We certainly would indeed. We wouldn't take you to the airport, but we would certainly move furniture for you. <laughs> What's your first question? Uh, golly, so many here. 
Jerry's. You mentioned uh, Jerry doing a bit about a bit of stand up about making friends. Yeah, yeah. What is the drink that best friends drink when they're little? When oh, they're young? I didn't pick up on that. You drink salt. You drink this. I drink this. Is it orange juice? Cherry soda. Cherry soda. Okay. You drink cherry soda. I drink cherry soda. We're best friends. <laughs> <laughs> How many hours a day does Jerry say that George sleeps? 18 hours a yes, day. Yes, correct. <laughs> um, what is the phone number of Vandalay Industries? Ooh. KL something. I do have my notes. Can't bother finding it. What is it? KL58383. 8383. When was the game six? Mets Oh. What do you mean, the date? Oh, yes. gosh, because they say it, don't they? Oh, was, oh, oh, wait, I'm having got the, the game here. Maybe this is when the um, the incident happened. Maybe this is when the incident yeah. happened. Yeah, sorry. Oh, damn it. I should have written this down. Um, okay, I'm just going to throw a Hail Mary pass here to use a mixed sporting metaphor. Uh, August 18th. No, nah, it was June 14th, 1987. I think that might have been when the spitting incident <laughs> happened because I'll tell the story. Mets Phillies, June 14th, 1987. Uh, what's your <laughs> next one? Uh, when Jerry is doing some stand-up and talking about uh, people coming to see babies, why don't they come and see older people? How much does Grandpa weigh now? Oh, it's 70 pounds. Oh, it was 168 pounds. 168 pounds. I don't know why I thought 70 pounds. 70 pounds is not much. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What is the name that Jerry gives himself as an employee of Vandalay Industries? He is Car- uh, Cal Vanson. Correct. A very hard name to say. Cal Vanson. It's just, it's, I keep thinking it's Carl. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's a noted Superman uh, appreciator. Jerry, I wonder if that's got anything to do with Cal L. Possibly. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, uh, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Okay. Uh, what is the name, just surname, of the woman handling George's unemployment benefits? What is the surname? Oh, nah. What is it? She is Mrs. Sokol. Sokol. All right. My final question is, how many pieces is Keith's couch? <laughs> it's a 12-piece sectional. Yes, 12-piece, yeah. yes. Uh, that was one of mine as well, so let's call it a day on trivia. All right, then. So that <laughs> is trivia for The Boyfriend. We'll be right back, guys, after this short break with our review of the episode. If you feel like having yourself a time, then check out our new podcast, Going Down to South Park, where we go back and revisit every episode of the iconic series, dissecting the stories, reveling in chef sing-alongs, and chuckling at the occasional fart joke. Going Down to South Park is available now for free on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. If you're looking for a podcast that'll always be there for you, look no further than our new show, The One About Friends, hosted by myself and my incredible wife, Nicola. She's literally the biggest Friends fan I know, so who better to help me as we revisit every single episode of the show, discussing the characters, fashion trends, and how this iconic series still relates to our lives to this day. The One About Friends is available now on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. The original air date of The Boyfriends Parts 1 and 2, because they were aired together, was February 12th, 1992. It was written by Larry David and Larry Levin and directed by Tom Sharones. Tom Sharones. Yeah, the episode kicks off with some stand-up with Jerry discussing in the health club, knowing how we put our dirty laundry away and we try and keep it all locked up and padlocked away, um, and also discussing getting fit just so we can work out. So we work out so that we can work out. 
starts off with uh, Jerry and George and Kramer in the change room arguing over a basketball game. Is that what it was? It well, there's basketball. dribbling, so yeah, I'm assuming there's, yeah. there's, it's basketball. Wide open. I was wide open underneath. I had three inches on that guy. So you two were hogging the ball. Me? It wasn't me. I never even saw the ball. All you do is dribble. I have to dribble. If I give it to you, you just shoot. You're a chucker. Chuck. That's right. Every time you get the ball, you shoot. I can't believe you called me a chucker. No way I'm a chucker. I do not chuck. Never chuck. Never have chucked. Never will chuck. No chuck. You chuck? Kramer, am I a chucker? Oh, you're a chucker. God, I'm a chucker. All these years I've been chucking, you never told me? Well, it's not an easy thing to bring up. Hey, you know this is the first time we ever saw each other naked? Believe me, I didn't see anything. Oh, you didn't sneak a peek? No, did you? Yeah, I snuck a peek. Why? Why not? Hey, what about you, George? If I have an issue with the episode, and it's a very, very small one, it's just that that whole bit with George saying, I don't chuck, never chuck, never will chuck. It's like, um, that's a bit written. It feels so early Seinfeld, doesn't it? It does, doesn't it? Yeah, it's like, um, I think you're trying a bit hard to make fetch happen there. (laughs) But uh, look, it's over and done with fairly quickly. And, you know, it has a good payoff later on down the line as well. Exactly. I was going to say, they needed something to pay off with so he knows who George is. But um, But yeah, I was watching this going, yeah, this feels like, feels like a Curb Your Enthusiasm kind of line where it's just like Larry David just likes to drill certain words into your mind because that's just what he found funny that day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it's not terrible by any means. But, you know, yeah. well, why don't you tell me I was a chucker? It was not an easy thing to bring up. <laughs> and then and I, this was actually great. So that you know, this is the first time we've seen each other naked. What, you looked? Yeah, I snuck a peek. <laughs> and George, yeah, a little. I didn't see anything. It was, just, it was a blur. It went past so quickly. But yeah, I snuck a peek. And it reminded me because I'm at the Guns N' Roses concert last Saturday here in, here in Melbourne. Well, I'm in Geelong, but in Melbourne, that's mm-hmm. where it was. And I'm at the urinal. And I'm thinking, I'm, I'm whizzing. I'm thinking, I wonder if any of these guys next to me right next. I watched, I did the re- review notes for, before I went to, to Melbourne. I was like, I wonder if any of these guys are snuck a peek. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when I am peeing at a urinal, I am straight ahead. You, you never, ever, ever let any deviation because if you turn your head at all at a urinal, big trouble. Like, <laughs> it's just, it's an unwritten law. You do not peek at a urinal. I mean, so why would you look at a guy wizard anyway? But you know so what I mean? Like, you just, you don't peek. I'm sure there are people who are, <laughs> that might be their thing. But no, it is the unwritten law of the urinal that, you know, eyes straight forward. Yeah. Um, having said that, I mean, I was thinking about... I don't know, the first time that I probably saw some of my friends naked, like, you know, when I was at school and you have to, you know, hit the showers or whatever. Get changing that, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, puberty's hitting faster for some than others. (laughs) 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 And slower for some. So, (laughs) So, Meanwhile, some of us are just standing up on the seats windmilling around. (laughs) (laughs) Wish I was hanging out with your buddies. That sounds like like good times. Um, But, uh, you know, a nice little bit of locker room banter. The good kind of locker room banter. Yeah, yeah. And then Kramer says he's going off to meet Newman. And then they see someone stretching. And at first, George is like, who's this guy I think he is? And that's kind of like when you go to a gym. If you're not like big and buff, you see some guy like flexing, whatever. It's like, who's that guy I think he's? He thinks he's so cool. Because I was walking, when I was, again, walking to the, um, to the concert, to the MCG, and this guy was walking down the street and he had those, you know, those singlet type tops where they're really, really thin. So you can see oh, like yeah. basically their entire chest. And he had that strut of the, 
the, the thing. And mm-hmm. there was this couple in front of me, and they, there was like, you know, just that just looked like a, a nerdy couple. And as the guy walks past, the woman turns to him and goes, mm-hmm, like, does the, the fake, like, like macho man bork and I was like she gets it <laughs> what a hero when we aren't buff we make fun of other people for being buff or who's I think they are stretching shone off their muscles in fucking man, man, man. but George realises actually no it wasn't George it was um Jerry realises holy shit that's Keith, Keith Hernandez it's like, by the, no by the way. way yeah we've got to point out good stretching form from Keith yes. Hernandez it, it, it just looks yeah you're a pro aren't you <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I've, I've, I haven't stretched for a long time. It's probably why my back is so sore these days. But I forget, like when I played football, right? It's the little things like stretching and just going for a quick mm-hmm. run around the oval, things like that. That it did, I didn't see it as exercise because I was playing football. But now I look back and go, no wonder I was able to pick things up and I was fitter and things like that. Because oh, yeah. twice a week, I'd go to football training. But it just mm-hmm. felt like I was going to, I didn't sort of see it as exercise. It was just, I oh, practicing for footy. It is. People think this when they get older, like me. But you know, or maybe even even at your relatively young age, Dana. But you you want to sort of go back and tell your youthful stuff, your, your youthful person stuff. Like you might want to do this. Just do keep this on doing, the regular. Keep doing this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll feel better. You know, so you, know, you do this now, and I'll feel good now. Um, and you one see, of those you see just, this, you see this, you want to be this. Yeah, we don't have to have this. You know, no. if you do this just once a day, it'll be fine. But just stretching is one of them. Just a regular, a daily stretch of just, you know, I don't know. I think I think it would be something I wish I'd done from my teenage years onwards. I mean, it's, mm. of course, my teenage self would go, piss off, old man. <laughs> I, want, I want to sit down and watch TV and eat, an, eat a McDonald's apple pie. <laughs> <laughs> just do a stretch, kid. Come on, man. What, are you comparing yourself to Keith Hernandez? The guy's a baseball player, Jerry. Baseball. I know what he is. I recognized him. You didn't even notice him. What, you're making some wisecracks in a nightclub? <laughs> the guy was in game six. Two runs down. Two outs. Facing elimination. It's not very often you hear George bringing Jerry down a peg. Well, that's... I mean, I think just even being in the proximity of Keith Hernandez and Jerry's sort of... First of all, throwing in the Biff insult again... You know, I think George is going to take it even more personally. You know, when you're insulting me while Keith Hernandez is in the room, Keith Hernandez might hear you insulting me, and that's that's the impression he's going to get of me. Yeah, so I can yeah, understand. I'm a little man. Yeah, I can understand why George would sort of arc up a little bit. And honestly, I felt bad for him when um, when Keith Hernandez turned around and said, "Hey, you're Jerry Seinfeld. I love your comedy." <laughs> and Jerry's just like, "Yeah, that's right." I mean, yeah, little man. <laughs> yeah, I felt a bit bad for George. I'm going to say it's just like yeah, you 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 know he he, he wins well series you make a few worse cracks at a nightclub yeah <laughs> and honestly it felt like george almost had the upper hand for a second it's like don't get ideas above your station jerry you're just a stand-up comic he's keith hernandez and then ah uh, no validation excuse me i don't want to disturb you i'm keith hernandez and i just want to tell you what a big fan i am i love your comedy <laughs> And then he fluffs it by asking an awkward question because he obviously didn't know what to say. I mean, it's a wonder that they have more plane crashes with all these teams flying around. And then just, he, it's like he realises, oh, that wasn't the right thing to ask, but I'm just going to go with it now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I can't back out of this one. And, you know, and, you know, an entire team just wiped out. <laughs> and then they plan to have a cup of coffee, Jerry and, um, and Keith. It's only a matter of time. Who's this chucker? So oh, they're no. just trying to run it. Yeah, it's, it 
didn't really work for me. I thought the chucker was a bit much. Yeah, you're right. We're now at Monk's and, you know, three days and he hasn't called. And he's like, well, you call him. I don't want to be over anxious. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think it's Elaine he's actually talking to me. I don't want to be over yes. anxious. And she, um, I, it is Elaine because she throws away the ashtray and she says that she hates cigarettes. And I agree. Uh, I'm not a fan of smoking at all. Never have. I've, I've never smoked, but the smell of smoke just bleh, not for me. It, it kind of sucks now, unfortunately. I mean, I was a I was a smoker back in the day, and look, I'll still sneak one very, very rarely. Uh, but the lovely Louise and I were at this uh, Christmas function on Saturday night. Walking out, there were a few people on the darts and maybe a couple of vapes there, and she and I, because she was a smoker as well, we both looked at each other and oh, Jesus, this stinks. Yeah. <laughs> but it was because, you know, when you were my age, you could go out and have a meal and the room would be filled with smoke. It's like you just get used to the smell of smoke being oh, God, everywhere. Yeah. Now that you have to literally go and seek people to, who are smoking because they're mm. separated, once you get once you come into contact with it, it's like, <laughs> That's the thing, yeah. I mean, again, going back to my youthful self, I mean, I'd hate to sort of smell my youthful self. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right? After the guy used to work at, when I used to work in the office, there was one guy who smoked and he'd go out and he'd come back in after lunch and it's like, oh, mm. oh. Because <laughs> your clothes just stink for ages. It's just it's yeah. rotten. But um, but yeah. So Elaine here, she she drops the hint, which pays off later again. They're just subtly dropping things mm. here: the chucker and the cigarettes. Because it's not sort of overstated here. It's just gets rid of the ashtray. She doesn't like uh, cigarettes. And Jerry asks, you know, why don't guys call? What, what what's going on here? And it's like, I'm sorry, honey. So it's just they're playing up the <laughs> like he's another female friend of hers. And I think it was just very very funny the way it was all acted. I think I don't think we give Jerry enough credit to. He's also willing to sort of take the mickey out of himself. And for example, this one here, someone with a bit of an ego might not want to put themselves in a situation where they coming across like a, a, a what would you call Lady. it? A damsel in distress, you know? Yeah. Oh, I can't believe he hasn't called, blah, blah, blah. But no, he, he's gone there for the sake of comedy and it just works so well. Or well, I'll never give my number at another guy again. <laughs> and he really hams it up too, doesn't he? Like he just yeah. really, really sinks his teeth into it. It's so, so funny. <laughs> Elaine says here, well, sometimes, you know, takes a guy a month to call back when I, when I give him my number. Yeah, well, if he's calling back in a month, he's got a prayer. <laughs> just, oh, so great. Elaine says, maybe he's just been too busy. Too busy? Pick up a phone. Mm. What do you mean he's not too busy? That was a very sign for, pick up a phone. So, Jerry. Yes. And she says, you know, just call him. We get the stand up here. We're about, well, as we discussed earlier, hard to make new friends. And as a kid, someone's at the front of your house. Hey, we're friends now. That's it's, 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 What's so great about it is it's just so true. When you think oh, yeah. back to your childhood, you go to like on holiday or whatever, and there's just another, another kid at the campsite. It's like, oh, we're best friends now. For the next week, mm. you and I, best friends forever. Once this holiday's over, I'll never see or think of you again. But for the next week, you and I, best friends. I'm trying to think. I mean, because I, I have friends I've known for pretty much you know, all my life. You know, I met them when I was six or seven. Mm. But for the life of me, I can't remember exactly how I met them. I mean, I met them at school. But, you know, what was it that made us friends? You know, was there was no sort of like Homer and Marge meeting. Why do birds suddenly? No. no moment like that. It's just we somehow found each other, became yeah. friends, and that's that. But it's yeah, it's funny though because I mean I've you know met people later in my life, and you mm. know it's not like I'm going to say, do you want to be friends or what? But when you realise, oh look, I'm in a social circle or whatever via work or. You know, you you meet your partner's friends or something like that, and there is someone. There's one that you connect with more, yeah. Even, and to the point where it's like, hey, you want to hang out, or you know, you're sending like a message via Facebook or whatever. It's like, 
oh, I've made a new friend. You know, it feels like quite an accomplishment. Well, I remember, <laughs> I'll never forget, there's this, one of my best friends now, the guy who I went to the Guns N' Roses gig with, um, mm-hmm. he's James Crabtree Morton, Crab, we call him, Uncle Crab, is what Elliot calls him, Elliot and Holly, <laughs> one of my best mates, like one of my uh, groomsmen at my wedding, I love the guy to death. I still, I actually remember the moment we met. And because he was, for some reason, like we got four or five new kids all arriving at, in our class at the same time, which is kind of unheard of. It doesn't happen all that often. But it was, I think, a school closed or something like that. The school was shutting down, so they moved kids throughout different schools throughout Geelong. And these guys all started from down like Ocean Groveway. And I remember hearing like, and uh, don't get me wrong, it's a silly song now. I guess I haven't heard it for like decades, but it's a song that had Santana and. Chad from Nickelback, the singer, they, they did a song duet together, kind of like what he did with Rob Thomas and that um, what was that song that he and that was smooth, uh, that sa- smooth, yeah, kind of like that kind of combo. Um, <laughs> I think you're about and- to say it's a song that not many people know. It's Santana and Rob Thomas, for- yeah. and it's called Smooth. I'm like, man, that's yeah. smooth. Everybody knows smooth. <laughs> Everyone knows smooth. Okay, because I, I, for some reason I feel like, and I don't know why I feel this way, but I'm a huge Matchbox Twenty fan. And uh, not many of my friends were Matchbox Twenty fans. Is that? Did I feel they, like it's, it's almost three a.m. Like, like I must be lonely. Like that, that first that first album, yeah, three a.m. You know, Push was on that album. Long Day, uh, Re- uh, Real World was on that album. Like that album is incredible, right? And they've got the, like several albums now. They sort of got more poppier as they went on, as bands tend to do. But I never really had another friend who was a Matchbox Twenty fan, and he was listening to this song that was the. Why don't you and I get together with a Santana and Nickelback song, whatever? I yeah. could hear it playing through his, his earphones, and I was like, "He likes that song, okay? I, mean, I like that song too. It's all right." And then I saw <laughs> the next song that I heard. The next song was 3 a.m. by Matchbox Twenty, and I was like, "This motherfucker gets it." <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then the next one was Guns N' Roses, and I was like, "I think I just found the love of my life." <laughs> and then, then we just like we connected through music. So he, um, you know, he loves Guns N' Roses. He loves old school '60s rock, '70s rock, Led Zeppelin, things like that. But he also was a massive Seinfeld fan. And I was like, ah, oh, I finally found a friend who I can talk about with about Seinfeld with, and we've bonded over Seinfeld. And he, he actually showed me a few weeks ago. He still kept the um, there used to be a DVD set back when you could buy DVD collections that were like themed boxes, mm-hmm. and it was Jerry's fridge. That was oh, the okay. box, mm. and all the DVDs were in these. Like, I still kept this because I still watch it to this day. It's like a, I remember, like you, you bought me this present when we were like year ten or year eleven or whatever. It was like every episode of Seinfeld. And I remember just thinking at the time, it's not the best present anyone's ever bought me. And you're just like a friend from school. Like, what's going on here? Like, and then oh. we've just become best friends ever since. But yeah, I know I just went off on a bit of a tangent there. But it was that moment we're discussing how hey, you don't meet friends. It just, it, it just, I just realized Seinfeld was one of the things that brought us together. <laughs> This show is all about the tangents, in all honesty. Yeah. This and but other yeah. shows on the Four Finger Discount Network. But you know how sometimes, though, where you just... Something reminds you of a moment in your life that you had forgotten about and you haven't thought about ever, and you just have to get it out. Because <laughs> you're like, oh, yeah. this, this reminds me of something. This, this is a moment of my life that was very important. I haven't thought about it since. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. It's good. We had a breakthrough. <laughs> we did We did have a breakthrough. I'll pay you after the session. Yes. <laughs> I'm, Dr. But, yeah. I'm Dr. Katz. <laughs> George is now, um, he's going to the unemployment application office. He's trying to get it extended for another two weeks. He's only got two weeks to go. How's it, three months, I'm assuming? It seems about right. I don't know. I think so. Yeah. Maybe. I've, I've, never, I've never been on the dole precisely for this reason. I hate the paper. I, I don't mind the idea of money, but uh, just the, the paperwork that you have to go through. And as they point out, you know, as Jerry points out in, in some of his stand-up, like the work you have to do to 
you know, stay on get, the dole. <laughs> yeah, to stay on the dole is more work than work. <laughs> I love it when you go watch Judge Judy, and she's like, "What do you do for for for, for work?" And she's like, ah, "I'm on unemployment." <laughs> it's like <laughs> I uh, hurt my wrist in 1984, <laughs> and they're like they're perfectly fucking fine. It's like they're just been, mm-hmm. they're finding ways. They're doing they're pulling a George here, but this here just feels like perfect comedy for Jason Alexander you'd, oh, you, yeah. you would believe that he was improvising this it just felt like it came out so naturally just you know, mm. I listen for work I don't necessarily watch I listen it's, it's a combination of things you know <laughs> and the thing of it is if he just stopped at at listen or yeah. you know it's like that actually sounds like a rational thing it's like, or like it's a, a smart thing that you know, a job secret actually. Well, you know, I'm not just looking for work. I'm actually sort of, I'm listening for opportunities as well. <laughs> now, if you just shut up, like, eh, you seem like you're putting in the hours or, you know, you're trying at least, you know, you're, you're pathetic enough that, you know, I might take pity on you, but he just keeps going and going and going. He can't, he's his own worst enemy, George. Well, we've discussed this on the subway. Remember when the lady asked whether he works in the in the stocks or whether there's a job? Mm. And he tells a story about his dad working. He's like, just stop now. Like, just say yeah. you've got a job. Why are you going on? <laughs> Less is more, George. <laughs> yeah, but it's like he just he buys into it. As, as I was just telling the story of my life where I met my friend, sometimes when he gets the ball rolling, like the, the tongue's going, oh, yeah. but he, he, like, he can't keep up. It's just like, all right, it's coming out. <laughs> just all, all bullshit. He loves to lie. So he brings up Vandalay Industries once again. It's a latex manufacturer this time. Mm. And he was looking for a job for a sales position. And then he, he realizes that's not going to work. She doesn't buy it. Then he sees, I have a friend, you know, in the gum business. I can get you some gum. And then he does his impersonation of Jose Jimenez. Who was that? that that's also a baseball player, but uh, from okay. an earlier era. Yeah. But okay. uh, I think I believe he did have a very sort of thick uh, Hispanic accent. Uh, one of my favorite movies is The Right Stuff. Do you know the movie The Right Stuff? About I the, do uh, know. The space I, I know exactly the film you're talking about. I haven't watched it, but yes. Yeah. But one of, the, one of the astronauts in that is constantly... Um, uh, doing a Jose Jimenez impression. My name is Jose Jimenez. And um, yeah, much the consternation of the uh, Latino people at the facility where he's staying. So um, that's the main thing I know it from. But uh, yeah, apparently Jose Jimenez was also a baseball player. So where have you been looking for work? Well, you know what I've discovered, Mrs. Sokol? <clears throat> it's not so much the looking as the listening. <laughs> I listen for work. Now, as I'm looking and listening, I'm also looking. You cannot discount looking. It's sort of a combination. It's looking and listening. Listening and looking. But you must look. Can you be specific about any of these companies? Specific? Uh, let's see. I've walked in and out of so many buildings. They all blend in together. Right? But just give me one name. One name. Absolutely. Uh... Let's see, there's uh, <clears throat> Vandalay Industries. I uh, just saw them. I got very close there, very close. And yeah, what type of company is that? Latex, latex manufacturing. So. And you interviewed there? Yes, for a sales position. Latex salesman, the uh, selling of latex and latex-related products. And, uh, they just wouldn't give me a chance, damn it. Now, I'm going to need an address and a phone number for this uh, Vandalay company. You like gum? Because I have a friend in the gum business. I got a gum guy. I make one phone call. I have boxes of gum delivered right to your door. The address? <clears throat> you just here. <laughs> Jose you, re- you recognize it? No. Jose Jimenez. Very funny. Really, he's very funny. The address. <laughs> Uh, uh, Vandalay is um, 
129 West 81st Street. It's a very small industry, Vandalay. It's one of the reasons I wanted to work for them. A phone number. That's uh, KL5. 8383. Are you planning on calling them soon? Because they're very strange, Alan. Soon as I'm done with you. <laughs> well, um, you know what? I'll check in with you next week. Uh, I gotta run now because I, <laughs> I got a full plate this okay. afternoon. Okay. All right. Really good to, to, uh... <laughs> I know we always praise Michael Richards for his physical comedy, but just a little thing of just as he gets out the door, the scramble like a fucking Looney Tune and then mm. running off. You know, just little things like that just all add up. And he grabs the kid and drags him out of the phone box, which pays off later as well. You know, all these things that happen yeah. here all pay off later. So then he calls up, but Kramer's already on the phone, uh, so he can't get through. This is where Jerry shows his shirt to Elaine. He's a guy! <laughs> it, it, <laughs> By the way, that shirt's too much. <laughs> oh, I looked at that shirt and I was like, are you, are you trying to be an idiot? Like, what is happening here? <laughs> but we all have that shirt, though, in our closet where it's like, it looks nice, but I just personally can't pull this off. There's somebody out mm. there that this shirt would look fantastic on. Me? No. I, I bought a pair of shoes like maybe four years ago and I wore them for the first time last weekend <laughs> yes is that because and you needed to build yourself up the confidence to put them on or a little bit yeah and it's like oh well this is kind of a beachy occasion or a beach club occasion and these shoes will look right for that and i must admit you know lou saw them and went they're not bad like those I haven't seen that's those the validation before. that's the validation you need isn't it like <laughs> i shall wear no other shoes ever <laughs> <laughs> this is it <laughs> never washing my feet again <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but George, um, he finally gets through. Uh, I thought I thought this whole s- story sort of slash scene felt very nineties because the payphone having to put more mm. quarters into the machine and blah blah blah. But I, I like that, you know, because we grew up in that era. And the cop arrives with the kid because he shoved him out of the phone box. <laughs> Michael and uh, he says uh, Michael and Carol they want um they want to go see the baby who comes mm. back in, in the episode with the um with the lobster and the shrinkage and the you gotta oh, see the baby. It's a, it's, an, it's a terribly ugly baby next time, but you know. Well, well, what it's not an the baby this time. Yeah, why can't they, get can they just send us a tape? And Elaine says, you know, it feels like sometimes you're watching this show and it feels like you're just watching friends chat. So when Elaine mm. says here, you know, just wait a couple of months and it'll be too old to be a baby. Just wait for it to grow up. It just, it just felt like friends talking, didn't it? Oh, yeah. And particularly the way that uh, uh, Jerry and Julia sort of played that because he'll be yeah. growing up. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kramer walks in. He says, "Oh, that's no, no, no sitting on the couch. That shirt's too busy. You know, you, you're not, you're not being yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if Kramer's saying his shirt's too loud, then you know, it, yeah, you got to get rid of it. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. It's, it's Keith. It's just Keith Hernandez. And new one over here is Keith Hernandez. <laughs> then George, um, George tells the taxi, taxi driver to change lanes. I feel sorry for the driver here. Like, it's got to be." moments where you're a taxi driver and the person's telling you how to drive i'll be like sit the fuck down you're paying me for a service allow mm. me to give you this service sometimes if i'm i used to do this sometimes when i was driving not driving home but i was catching a taxi home from being out i knew the quickest way home yep. and i know a way that appears to be quicker but i know it's not and i'll always be like when i'm approaching we're like see that bridge there yet don't go over that bridge just go under it and, and you can tell that it's like Ah, fuck. <laughs> like, could have got an extra three dollars out of this guy, but anyway. But and they always give you the impression like they're annoyed that you're telling them where to go. But sometimes you just got to mm. tell them. It's like, motherfucker, yeah. I know the quickest way home. 
Let's fucking go home. I don't care what Google Maps says. You take me the way I said. <laughs> I know where I live. <laughs> yeah. I've driven these streets before. I know what's going on. <laughs> uh, Kramer and Newman then fight over who gets to tell the Keith Hernandez story. Just a, But also all-time great entrance from, uh, from Wayne Knight here where he's just saying, I despise him. I despise him. He has so many. His delivery is fantastic. I know when he eats broccoli later on. Vile weed. (laughs) (laughs) Wayne Knight's amazing. But yeah, so he tells a story. Nice game, pretty boy. But the the I'm hit is the bit for me. I'm hit. (laughs) That's so good. And then, of course, I'm just going to play that clip, obviously. June 14th. 1987, Mets, Phillies, were enjoying a beautiful afternoon in the right field stands when a crucial Hernandez error opens the door to a five-run Phillies ninth, cost the Mets the game. Our day was ruined. (laughs) There was a lot of people, you know, they're waiting by the players' parking lot. Now, we're coming down the ramp. Newman was in front of me. Hernandez was coming toward us. As he passes us, Newman turns and says, nice game, pretty boy. Hernandez continued past us up the ramp. Then, a second later, something happened that changed us in a very deep and profound way from that day forward. What was it? He spit on us. (laughs) And I screamed out, I'm it! Then I turned and the spit ricocheted off him and it hit me. Wow, what a story. Unfortunately, the immutable laws of physics contradict the whole premise of your account. Allow me to reconstruct this, if I may, for Miss Bennis, as I've heard this story a number of times. Newman, Kramer, if you'll indulge me. According to your story, Hernandez passes you and starts walking up the ramp. Mm -hmm. Then you say you were struck on the right temple. The spit then proceeds to ricochet off the temple, striking Newman between the third and the fourth rib. The spit then came off the rib, made a right turn, hitting Newman in the right wrist, causing him to drop his baseball cap. The spit then splashed off the wrist, pauses in midair, mind you, makes a left turn, and lands on Newman's left thigh. That is one magic loogie. I loved Jerry's, you know, the immutable laws of physics contradict the whole premise of your account. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, it's, it's a complete riff on Kevin Costner um, yeah. in, in JFK. But, um... but even, even though as someone growing up who hadn't seen the film, someone who just knew of the JFK scenario, mm. it's still hilarious. You don't have to oh, be... Yeah. Uh, you don't have to be someone who's seen the film to get this either. No. No, no. I mean, Jerry plays it very, very well, that whole sort of, the, you know, the pomposity of someone presenting evidence in court. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it, it's a it's well-played scene by Jerry. And he was so anxious going into it because it's such a long scene. And he said that mm. what you see was the first take. He, he nailed it the first time. And he said once, he, once that was finished, it went well, got a huge laugh. Because they said it was a bit sort of touchy it's like do we do this do we not do will people find this funny or will they find this uh uh insensitive insensitive yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but no it, but- it was just a huge laugh and jerry said the relief once he got off the stage was just like woof, it worked great 
I think it's fairly clear that they're not taking the piss out of the JFK assassination. Oh, they're no, taking the piss not. out of the uh, yeah, all the rigmarole that surrounded it. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. Um, look, I can I can understand why they might be a little cautious, but uh, no, I think they they did the right thing. But they bring it. The, there's got to have been a second spitter behind the bushes down the gravelly road, <laughs> <laughs> and Newman just leaves in protest. He's had enough of it. He's not going to buy into this at all. Georgian arrives. He's all erratic. And he explains the Vandalay story. You know, you know, I know. I I hire you as a latex salesman. <laughs> I don't think so. Think so. <laughs> <laughs> so he's just basically pretending that it's real. He's just like, ah, nah, not happening, not happening at all. Then Keith, Keith's outside, and uh, they're giving Elaine a, a, a ride into wherever because they're on their way to their coffee. Giving Elaine a ride to somewhere, and then who had the motive? So then the the day is finished, and then the the, the date. Sorry, with um with Jerry and Keith. Should I shake his hand? This would actually, like, if you went on a date, I would call it a date, with, like, a celebrity, like, a, a sporting hero of yours, at the end of the day, it's like, do I shake his hand? That's That, that would run through your mind. Like, how, how do I say goodbye? What do I do here? Some We overthink things. That's just who we are as people. <laughs> I would go for, I would go for the handshake. Of course you go for the handshake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But sometimes <laughs> a handshake. Have you ever given a handshake and after you've given it gone, oh, fuck, that was a bad handshake? Yeah, sometimes. When you're, when, you're, <laughs> like, when you're trying to like, hey, you go, mate, and you don't make the good... Con- if you fuck it up the first time, it's like, ah, oh, the second one always just feels like, oh, yeah, let's, 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 let's slow it down, ease it, yep, right, we've got connection now, let's shake the hands now. If you fuck yeah. up that handshake, oh, I don't know. It's just, I, I feel so embarrassed if I don't shake someone's hand properly, which I shouldn't. As I said, I overthink. Yeah, I had this the other day with someone who was really... Oh, okay. You're letting us know who's in, who's the boss here, right? Aren't you with this yeah. with this handshake that you're giving me? But yeah, I might like to think that I met with equal force, or and um, yeah, I didn't disgrace myself in the handshake. I wasn't the I wasn't the beater in this handshake. It was like, no, this was a meeting of two alphas. You can tell <laughs> a meeting of two alphas. You can tell <laughs> you can tell when someone's going in for a, a big handshake, like you said, your friend there. Yeah. Once you get that connection, you realize then. I've got to squeeze harder here. I've got to really, mm, like, it, at first you're like, oh, gentle. Oh, it's one of these ones. Is it? All right, motherfucker. Well, here, here's what I've got. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you should have told me you wanted to arm wrestle, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> so then Jerry uh, obviously goes for the handshake. Bit of an awkward handshake. It's like, oh, yeah, it's whatever. Then he asks about Elaine. And it's like, oh, no. Oh, no. We're going in that territory. <laughs> because if you said to somebody, oh, t- tell us more about that girl. And they said, Oh, she's my ex. Me personally, I'm not gonna. Be, my next question is not gonna be, "Do you mind if I date her?" I'll be like, "Okay, sorry." <laughs> Even though it's an ex, it just to me it just feels like you're putting that person in an awkward situation. A little bit, yeah. I mean, because you're doing nothing wrong, but still, it just feels like making them give the approval. It's like it's just a weird thing. I think you'd have to bit of, spend a bit of time with your new friend, build a good rapport, and during that time, you're still thinking about their their ex this this woman then yeah I don't know, wait till the relationship with your well yeah it, it requires a bit of sort of uh analysis and balance on your part to go well am i more interested in being friends with this dude or am i more interested in this lady or what have you yeah and then okay who do i cut loose here <laughs> or can i make it work well, it's a unique situation with jerry and elaine because they're still great friends right they still see each mm. other every day blah 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 but it still would be odd if you were, just say, for example, Louise was best friends with one of her exes, right? Would you be fine going out to dinner with this person and ha- have this person just hanging out at Louise's house all the time and things like that if they were an ex? like, ha- It's just a weird thing. A little bit. You know they're just friends, but it's like, yeah, but, you know, 
she liked him before she liked me. I don't know. It's just, there's that history there. It's, it's weird. I think Lou and I talked about this the other night about it. Oh, she mentioned a friend of hers and and maybe something similar came up on a show that we were watching. And, you know, she mentioned a friend of hers who was who she, you know, really likes and really respects and all that. And I said, I don't think I have a problem with you hanging out with him. Because, well, I'm not attracted to him. I'm like, well, that's okay then. <laughs> <laughs> That's even better. That's because we the home of fist. Because if you were, <laughs> there's no fist raising. No, 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 no fist raising. No, never, no, no fist raising in the Dando or the Davis households. <laughs> but uh, unless it's Nicola thumping me. <laughs> but then they um he discusses with George how they um they split dinner and they didn't talk about game six yet. That's a very understated line there, but so true. Now, did you discuss game six? Uh, it wasn't really time yet. Just say mm. we went and had lunch with Gary Ablett. You don't talk about football. You know, you talk about everything else. You, there'll be time for football. Talk about church. <laughs> yeah, there'll be, there'll be, yeah, exactly. There'll be time for football. We'll get to that. First date, you don't want to just go straight for it because then it, it comes across like you're just friends with them because of their status in the footy yeah. field or the, the baseball field. But then Elaine arrives and George asks if, um, uh, did you shake his hand? What, what kind of shake was it? Well, a single pump, not too hard. You're going to see him again? Yeah, the weekend. Um, and Jerry is just, he, he's smitten, isn't he? Like, like, oh yeah, <laughs> justifiably <laughs> so. Yeah, like, like it's been a date, and then we um we get Elaine. He's called her already. So you know, um, <clears throat> he called me. Already, Keith called you. <laughs> oh, yeah, this guy really gets around. <laughs> do you mind? No, I don't mind at all. Why should I mind? <laughs> what do you say? He asked me out for Saturday night. Oh, you going? No. I told him I was busy. Oh, really? So we're going out Friday. Friday? Yeah. He's going out with you on Friday? Yeah. He's supposed to see me on Friday. Oh, I, I didn't know. We made plans. Well, I, I'll cancel it. No, don't cancel it. Well, this is a little awkward, isn't it? Well, frankly, it is. I've never seen you jealous before. Well, you're not even a fan. I was at game six. You didn't even watch it. Wait a second. Wait a minute. Are you jealous of him or are you jealous of me? <laughs> Any Hennigans around here? And that would feel so deflating, wouldn't it? Like oh, your yeah. hero has cancelled on you to go date or go on a date with your ex. <laughs> Yeesh. Uh, oh, this is a bit awkward, isn't it? Frankly, it is. <laughs> <laughs> and nice because we got a bit of a Hennigan's call back then. There as yeah, well. we did. Yeah, good call back there. And then the, wait a minute, are you jealous of him or jealous of me? <laughs> and mm. as he goes look for the Hennigan's. Joe then answers as Vandalay Industries and, um, you know, whatever. And then uh, it's it's Keith though on the phone, so it's not it's not the person yet. Uh, but he, this is where Keith cancels, and then Kramer comes in and asks, you know, we're we going to go see the baby or what? And he's like, well, I'm not doing anything Friday now, so I might as well do it. Mm-hmm. And then he sits down next to Elaine and answers the phone, and this is where we get the George in his undies moment. As I said, you have Je- Jerry answer the phone as Vandalay. Everything's going to plan. It's going to be good. You you, you know somewhere down the line's going to fuck up, but not now because Jerry, you know, it's all going to plan yeah. here. Boom! Kramer enters. It's there. You should have seen it the second Kramer walked in the room, really. 
Oh yeah, because you're just inviting chaos into the into your apartment the minute he walks through the door. So yeah, you're right. Yellow. What delay industries? No. Vandalay! Say Vandalay! No, no, you're way, way, way off. Well, yeah, yeah, that's the right number, but this isn't an apartment. What? Vandalay! Say I was also just a massive fan of George's shuffle in it, like with his uh, pants around his ankles. Have you had a moment where you're, you're on the toilet and you realize there's no toilet paper and you know there's some just in like the next room? It's like, ugh, all right, I'm doing yeah, this. Yeah, that's <laughs> terrible. See, and, and it's it's something you, d- you don't want to think about the state that George is in when he's running out of the bathroom no. and, and falls flat on his uh, falls flat on his stomach and flat on his face. It's like, oh, was he was he in the middle of something or was he just, you know, enjoying a nice uh, – because he was reading a magazine, wasn't he? I think he brought the actual magazine well, with him. As I said, he was relaxed. He's like, all right, it's go- it's going to be fine. Jerry's here. Jerry's going to answer the phone. It'll all go to plan. And then as he goes, he doesn't see the, the fireworks that is Kramer entering the room. So that's where it all goes – all unravels. But then George is now at the unemployment office and he sees the photo of her daughter. Who is uh, this? It's my daughter. This is your daughter? <laughs> My God! My God! I, I hope you don't mind my saying, she is breathtaking. You think so? Oh, would you take this picture away from me? Just take it away and get it out of here. Take it away and put it away. Let me just sign this and go. You know, she doesn't even have a boyfriend. Okay. Uh, okay. Who, who do you think you're talking to? What do you think? You trying to make a joke, Mrs. Sokol, because it's not funny, I can tell you that. I'm serious, she doesn't. You know, it's one thing to not give me the extension, but to tease and to torture me like this. There's no call for that. Would you like a phone number? <laughs> Mrs. Sokol, I, I, I don't know what to say. I, I, where should I sign this thing? No, 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 no. Don't worry about it. Oh. I thought this was really not cringy, George, but it's just like, oh, you're singing to this level, George. Really, this is this is the the path you're going. This is how badly you want to stay unemployed, George. <laughs> yeah, my note is just, oh, George. <laughs> I like that we get a sort of a a, a, a word dropped here, breathtaking. He calls it breathtaking, right? <laughs> So in the episode later on where we get the, you got to see the baby, right? Where they go to see the baby again in a later episode where the shrinkage and stuff. Uh, the doctor there at the time calls Elaine breathtaking. So it's almost oh. like those episodes are connected in various ways. Mm. I like that. <laughs> um, but he's, he's just patronizing her. Like, oh, she's, she doesn't have a boyfriend. I, I refuse to believe this. And I'm like, fuck off, George. <laughs> you're, such a, you're being a prick. I find it hard to believe that Mrs. Sokol is actually sort of buying this. But clearly, you know, the, the daughter Carrie, I believe the name is, uh, has you know, just been bereft of male company or any romantic interest for goodness knows how long that her mother's just going to go, yep, yeah, no worries. No, no, have you shown up any interest? I'll, let's go with it. 
so she offers George the phone number and then, you know, don't bother signing. You know, you're taking my daughter out. It's all good. And then get the stand-up about the unemployment. Um, how it says it on your check. It's like, how does... How, how degrading must it be getting your check and it says unemployment on it <laughs> and discussing how friends he's got a friend who just desperately tries to avoid work so yeah very good it almost it, it, the way this episode is going it's almost like you're seeing stuff unraveling it's almost like you're watching stand up that Jerry's been doing in real time as the show's happening like mm. George has been doing all this then we get some stand up about it and things like that yeah uh, then the we're at the bar this is where Elaine asks about game six and um, yeah as you were saying they, they're gathering around like you feel so important when like you're telling a story and people gather around like they want they oh, really yeah. want to hear this story <laughs> <laughs> and Kramer and Jerry they go to see the baby looks like Lyndon Johnson <laughs> now we get I feel like this it was just weird to me this whole story with the baby right so Michael goes off to get the camera and she's like such an idiot and Kramer picks up the baby and we hear someone scream right yeah is that Michael screaming because he overhears Kramer's about to pick up the baby because we hear Michael go, no, or whatever, or scream. It's like, but it doesn't, you never see anything. What the hell? I watched this on Netflix and it said George screamed. But I'm like, oh. But, but, the, the we next, but after we get back, it was George on a date. That's the next scene. So what the hell? Yeah, I don't, I don't know who, that's, who that scream was. I mean, um, yeah, it's a, it's a weird one. It's a, it's a <laughs> it's really the, weird it's cut. The, it's the, we said before, no bum notes in this episode. This isn't a bum note, but it's like, what, what, what's going on? <laughs> it's almost like there was something cut there that didn't quite make sense. Yeah, but anyway, mm. so we're now at the Arthur George's date. I haven't had a Big Mac for a long time. Mm. <laughs> he took it to Macca's, you dog. <laughs> I, I, I just love that, you know, we in, it, it's it's smart on the part of Seinfeld on the part of this episode that, you know, you initially think, oh, George, you're a creep. And you're still thinking that, you know, think, oh, this poor woman, but she she's, Kind of obnoxious and and kind of terrible. I mean, George is not doing right by her, clearly. But at the same time, it's like it would throw the episode off balance. I think if you're like, oh, George is just being a, a prick here. It's more like, no, he's kind of getting what's coming to him here because uh, he's no one's having any fun here. Well, it's kind of like the episode with the stroke, right? Because it's important. Cipher does it very well. Where if you're just watching this in real time, your thoughts are George. You're taking advantage of this girl. For personal gain, it's it's a you're a horrible, horrible, horrible human being. It's important that at the end she's the one who breaks up with him, and she's mm. the one that sort of gets the final thing. It was the same with the stroke. You know when Elaine was like, oh, "I can't be with you anymore. It's a pain in the ass. It's a bitch trying to get here. You know, you you can't do things. You're old. You've had a stroke. You you you, you know yeah. you you can't move anymore. Blah blah blah. She comes across like a real terrible person. But then the next scene. She see, she discusses how she saw him on the street and he said that he was only using her for sex. And it's like, okay, well, yeah. at least they got the final laugh. So it's very important that, <laughs> that, that Carrie here gets the final laugh as well because George is pretty despicable what he's doing. <laughs> it's very it's despicable. <laughs> yeah, so she invites him up and he lies about, you know, you've got an early start. You've got a, a job appointment at a hardware store. It's like, okay. And uh, she says that, we going to call me as soon as you get home? Uh, uh, yeah, oh, am I? Yeah, it doesn't give a def- definite answer. It doesn't Which give an I answer. Liked. Yes. She wants a kiss. Goes in for the smooch with just the uh, the ugliest kiss face. It reminds me of when Han's mom tried to kiss Selma on their date. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Kramer, I've got here Kramer drops the baby, question mark, because we don't actually see anything. It's just assumed mm. that he dropped the baby, I guess. He says he's really, really sorry. Uh, but then get some stand-up there, but you've know, you got to see the baby. Not the grandfather, though. You know, He's a, he's no. a thousand months old. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, after the Elaine and Keith date, 
and she's wondering whether there's going to be a kiss. Is there going to be a kiss something? I thought there's a line here from Julia, which is just like, you are so great at your job, like uh, Julia. So he says, my mum was caught occasion. My father's half drunk. <laughs> but she just makes every line so great. She's amazing. She is amazing as, as Elaine. Um, so, you know, he's trying to tell himself that he can go in for the kiss. You know, I'm Keith Hernandez. You know, I can do this. You're famous. He goes in for the kiss. Who does this guy think he is? I'm Keith Hernandez. Keith Hernandez. And apparently <laughs> Keith has said that that was the worst part of the entire episode for him. It took eight takes to get the kiss right. He said it was so awkward he couldn't do it. Eight takes it took. I think he just wanted to kiss Julia eight times personally. <laughs> <laughs> Your cover story is a bit flimsy there, Keith. <laughs> so did you two uh, have... Uh, what? No. Milk? No. Cookies? Did he kiss you goodnight? I don't know. Well, what do you mean you don't know? All right, he kissed me, okay? Well, what kind of a kiss? Was it a... Peck? Was it a kiss? Was it a long makeout thing? Between a peck and a makeout. So you like him? I don't understand. Before you were jealous of me. Now you're jealous of him? I'm jealous of everybody. Keith then calls and he wants Jerry to help him move furniture. Now it's a big step to make in a relationship. It's like it's like for a man, for men, it's like going all the way. I don't <laughs> think. It's that big of a deal, is it? Like, if someone says, can you help me move my furniture? If, so, if I've got a mate who I haven't seen for a while, post on Facebook, need help moving furniture, I'd be like, I've got an hour. I can help. It's a big deal. There was a girl I was seeing, I helped her move twice. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't see why. Uh, to me, and I picked playing her up it up like it's a big deal. <laughs> I'm like, playing it up for the sake of the story, that's fine. But to me, I was watching this going, yeah. I don't think it's that big of a deal helping somebody move. I guess asking somebody if help, I, I, I don't know I I enjoy helping people so I don't see it as a big deal but to someone like Jerry I guess it seems like it's a big deal it does pay off a little later though because I mean if it's just Keith and Jerry moving all this stuff out of Keith's apartment you're Keith Hernandez you're really good at sprung for a mover given all this um, all this stuff that's got to go and how awkward it seems go on man yeah, but, it's, but uh, you know what it also is it's kind of like Jerry wants to be friends with Keith, but he's also thinking of reasons to not be with Keith because it makes him sort of like anxious. So he's like, mm. you know, he's been jealous that Elaine's spending time with Keith and not him. Keith's like, can you come do this with me? Jerry's like, finding a reason why it's a bad deal because he just, he just yeah. can't do it. He's just too nervous about being friends with Keith anyway. You know, we went out one time, coming on a little too strong. Then Kramer enters and he can't believe that he asked him to move. Like Kramer just hates the guy. <laughs> he's just very, very angry. He's angry that he said yes. And then George's second date... And she doesn't want a call. She breaks up with him. You got no job prospects. Biff, Lo- Biff Loman. She just you like Biff Loman. Yeah. <laughs> and George begs her, please don't mention this to your mother. Keith then brags to uh, to Lane about the the twelve gold gloves. And I was like, ah, oh, this is the kind of thing you'd hate to see in like a famous sports star if they started bragging about their accomplishments. Mm. It's like we all we all know what you did. Don't need to remind us. <laughs> I watched this great documentary last night. Um, it was on uh, ABC iView. It was an Australian story episode about Luke Longley, mm-hmm. uh, the Australian basketballer who played for the Bulls uh, opposite uh, Michael Jordan and Scottie yeah, Pippen yeah. back in the 90s when they had their great run. It's like, he's and, almost like the, the forgotten Aussie superstar, isn't he? 
Yeah, it was such it was such a good episode. Like the boyfriend, it was a two parter. Um, if you got ABC iView, I highly recommend you check it out. But uh, and they show you know he's got his uh, his uh, NBA championship rings, and I was looking and going, those are some ugly ass rings, man. And then about ten seconds later, he says, yeah, these things are gaudy and disgusting. But you know the championship's gaudy and disgusting. Yeah, <laughs> and that's- like, and, and he was such a cool dude. In all honesty, um, and you know, they made a bit of talk about how you know he was really cut out of that Last Dance documentary that's on, he was, on Netflix. Exactly right. Yeah, yeah, and you know, there's a bit of talk from Jordan in that about how you know, you know I had to give uh, Luke a bit of tough love and all this kind of stuff, and you know, he's been he's been Michael Jordan, but at the end, Jordan says. Yeah, look, I I owe not that he owes him an apology, but you know, if I was doing that if I was doing this all over again, there is no way I would play without Luke Longley. He's he's a he's a terrific player and he's a good friend and he deserves, you know, all the respect in the world. I'm like, God damn, that's nice. <laughs> um, but, but I just Michael, love Michael Jordan is saying that you know you've achieved something. <laughs> yeah. I mean I don't think he's the kind of guy who's doling out uh doling out compliments. He doesn't give so- out Christmas cards. No, <laughs> fuck them kids," says Michael Jordan. <laughs> uh, but yeah, just uh, yeah, the way you talked about the the uh, the NBA championship rings, and I'm like, yeah, they're they're a bit off. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, good on him. He yeah. just he had a really really good attitude about um, about sport and life in general. So yeah, that's uh, something I recommend that everyone check out. What's so great about this um, this flirting scene is I love how Elaine is deliberately saying that he wasn't a good player and say just. This is this She's is classic, this is classic flirting. It's like it, it just it felt like you were just watching Julia flirt with Keith Hernandez. Just the whole well, you know, they put the worst player at first base. <laughs> it's funny the, the the whole pickup artist thing that um, was in vogue there for a while, and there was the the uh, technique known as negging, which yep. is like yeah, you you basically insult the person, uh, and it was like oh god, that's such toxic behavior. I'm like that's flirting. Yeah, <laughs> you, you, you do that to sort of show. I'm interested but not intimidated by you. Yes, you know, exactly or, right. You know, you, yeah. yeah, you don't want to be like, oh, my God, you're just the best. It's more like, yeah, you're all right, I guess. Because yeah, <laughs> it, makes it, it makes it more exciting for that person. It's like, oh, this isn't going to be as easy as it normally is. Yeah, I, I you, can be, now. <laughs> you can be a dickhead about it. Yes. You know, you can take it too far. And say, uh, well, good luck going home with me tonight or something like that. You know, someone as fuggo as you. It's like... Some people probably do go that far and go home alone, and deservedly so. But yeah, I mean, yeah, this is this is really sort of pitch perfect flirting. Yeah, yeah well played by JLD until of course and Keith. She, yeah, exactly. Yeah, until she realised that he smokes, and um, yeah, you'd think a, that she would have known that he smokes because they've know, already had a pash. They've had a pash, and they've been on dates. You try and tell me he didn't smoke at all. Like this guy, the guy was nervous, and if you're smoking, you're nervous. You smoke. I don't know if he's a smoker in real. I wonder if Keith Hernandez actually is a smoker in real because he seemed so awkward pulling out that pack. Did he? Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it looked awkward to me. Uh, we're now at Monk's and George is, uh, Jerry is telling George that, um, you know, Elaine, she really, really likes the guy. You know, they're kind of like those brother and sister couples that look alike. <laughs> and then um, this was, I thought, a really fair point And it, it really uh, added emotion to the story that Cypher doesn't usually do all that often. But he's, Jerry says here, no, I just, I just never thought that she'd find someone that she likes like mm. me, that she liked like me. And I was like, it kind of, it gives the story some substance, like why Jerry was annoyed by it all. It's not yeah. so much that he cancelled on her. It's like, oh, I thought I was always going to be like the backup that she really likes. Now she's found someone that she seems to like as much as she liked me. That I didn't think I'd ever 
experience this. That's where the reaction is coming from. Yeah, and they don't play it as a, oh, moment. You know, you don't hear that kind of, from the audience, like, oh, wow, this is the designated serious moment in the funny show. No, but you're right, it does add a little bit of weight, a little bit of emotional heft. You know what I'd like to do? I'd really like to have sex with a tall woman. I mean, really tall, like a a giant. Like 6'5". Really? What was the tallest woman you ever slept with? I don't know, 6'3". Wow. Oh, God. (laughs) See, this is all I think about, sleeping with a giant. (laughs) It's my life's ambition. So I guess it's fair to say you've set different goals for yourself than, say, Thomas Edison, Magellan, these types of people. Magellan? You like Magellan? Oh, yeah, my favorite explorer. Around the world, come on. Who do you like? I like DeSoto. DeSoto? What did he do? He discovered the Mississippi. Oh, yeah, like they wouldn't have found that anyway. I, I remember back in my clubbing days, there was um, this girl that I'd see around the, around the traps a bit who was probably about maybe a head to half head taller than me. And, you know, we got to talking and flirting and nothing ever came of it, but I'm like... Golly, <laughs> golly, Miss Molly. I see the. I, I can see where George is coming from. I remember this is. I remember the line she said. This girl, she was pretty tall, actually. She was a basketballer, and I found out in the end. But I, 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 don't, I just remember I've buying drinks and stuff, and she's like, "Buy me one more, and I'll let you climb me like a tree." And I was like, uh, "Another, another drink, sir. Another drink." <laughs> <laughs> I was never forget that. I'll let you climb me like a tree. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's one of those moments where it's just like you know that gif from the office it's happening it's happening <laughs> i just panicked <laughs> but yes yeah, but uh, jerry says you know he's almost like embarrassed that he said yes i can't believe you know, i can't believe he said yes i'm not driving him to the airport i'm just happy to move mm-hmm. no he's very embarrassed george is now back at the unemployment office and it's not going well at all he's given he's given everything you know you know he, he, I, I gave everything for your daughter you know she, she's picky you know, and then he, this is where he, he sees the baseball and he says he's good friends with Keith and Anders. This is his last chance, his mm. last ditch effort. And um, he, he needs Keith to be there within an hour. Um, and then he goes, goes through the whole routine again, gets to the phone box. Unfortunately, there's a big dude in there, so he doesn't move the big dude. He cops into the same taxi, gets told to get out. We're now back at Jerry's apartment. Keith says, it will take about four hours. And Jerry's just like, I'm just not sure. You can just say, I'm just, just not sure if I can go through with this. It's, it's too soon. It's just getting I don't worse. know you. <laughs> it's just getting worse and worse with everything he talks about. I mean, yeah, bed and box spring, and that's connected to the headboard. You got to disconnect the couch. No elevators. Yeah, oh, <laughs> no elevators. Three story brownstone. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> There'll be plenty of pivoting happening in, in, in that kind of. <laughs> but yeah, Kramer then enters, does the spin. And um, yeah, just so great. So they, mm. you don't remember me. <laughs> and then Newman enters <laughs> and he remembers Newman and they go through the story and this is where he's like, no, no, it wasn't me. It was Roger McDowell who originally was going to be Daryl Strawberry. Daryl Strawberry. That's right. Yeah, but yeah, he had but- some issues going on at the time and Keith Hernandez himself actually said, because he was friends with Strawberry, said, you know, I don't think the image of Daryl uh, spitting on fans is quite what he needs right now. So let's yeah. change it. They got Roger McDowell to go do it instead. Keith says, I tried to scream out. And then, why McDowell? And Newman, Newman explains, I love how this like, I oh, know we're making fun of him, you know, during the game. And, you know, I poured beer on his head. <laughs> like, of course, of course he did. <laughs> and then they offered to help him move. <laughs> I'll handle it like a baby. So everything everything has a payoff. Yeah. Even the, the, the shit stuff of the episode all pays off in the end. 
Uh, mm. Elaine then rings and yeah, she says that she broke up with him. Me too. I broke up with him as well. And then unfortunately <laughs> for George, because they've all broken up, he's not there anymore. You know, uh, he walks in. He needs Keith there. Yells out the window. I'm the chucker. I'm the chucker. This is not happening. And I love. It doesn't require any words from from Jason here. That just the, yeah. the you can just tell all the emotions he's going through from the window to the couch. Like, well, I'm fucked. I'm off unemployment now. What am I going to do? And he just sort of sits down, all deflated. And then he's <laughs> like, "Well, well, Biff, what's next?" And this is where the tall woman enters the room, offers him the wallet, and that's the end of the episode. Which apparently wasn't the only ending to this episode. There was an ultimate Correct. ending, yeah, where George she says, "Anything else I can give you?" No, sends her off, and she wasn't my type. Sort of just playing off that George is extra picky as well, but I think this ending worked fine. We get some stand up about you know moving. You know when you're moving, you're, all you're looking is for boxes. You know the world, your whole world revolves around boxes. Where can I, I need boxes. I need boxes. So uh, the boyfriend parts one and two definitely one of the greatest episodes of Seinfeld of all time. As I said for the first time on this podcast, I felt like I was uh, reviewing iconic, not just iconic mm. Seinfeld, iconic television. This, this it just feels like an event. It feels like a big deal. It's a very special, a very special episode here of Seinfeld. <laughs> um, yeah, I just thought everyone involved, writing staff, the the way they did the the, the film with the um with the with the spitting scene, the acting, just ah, oh, it's just it's not perfect, but it's pretty fucking close. It's quite close. You're right. No, it's a and a story so good we had to take two episodes to tell it. So, yeah, and, and we had to do an extra long episode of Talking Seinfeld to give it uh, its just uh, its uh, just desserts. Even to this day, when you've got a show, you're writing for comedy, and it's like you're bringing on a guest star, use this as a model of this is how you handle a guest star. But the various stories, how they had Keith relate to all the four main characters, was just done so well, so naturally. Like you said, Keith just blended into the show. He didn't feel like... I mean, as, a, as an American viewer, this would have felt like a big deal because he was a huge baseball star. Mm. But as someone who wasn't really into baseball outside of America, he was just, he was just another guy. Yeah. That just shows how great Keith was at what he was doing. Like, he just blended in. He felt like just another actor on the show. He felt very, very comfortable indeed, and we felt comfortable watching him as a yeah. result. Yeah. All right. Well, that is our review of The Boyfriend. I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I enjoyed recording it. Uh, the next episode of Talking Seinfeld, we are reviewing the episode The Limo. Don't forget, guys, to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Talking Seinfeld on all of those various social medias. And please send in some questions to talkingseinfeld at gmail.com. If you've got some questions for us, talkingseinfeld at gmail.com. And don't forget, guys, if you do enjoy everything we do here at Talking Seinfeld, we are part of the Four Finger Discount Network, where we do other shows like Going Down to South Park, uh, The One About Friends, and Four Finger Discount, our Simpsons show, plus an exclusive podcast called Tales of Futurama on our Patreon. If you want to get early access, early ad-free access to this show and all the other shows we do, shout-outs on the podcast, access to our exclusive Facebook community, monthly Zoom chats with Guy, myself, and much, much more, you can do so for as little as one single dollar we do at patreon.com slash four-finger discount, or if Patreon's not your thing, you can even just chuck us a, a, a donation at four-finger discount at outlook.com. Anything $5 or more will also get you a shout-out on all of our podcasts. This has been The Boyfriend. Next episode is The Limo. Mr. Davis, any final words for those amazing listeners out there? You gotta listen to the podcast. <laughs>